Hello, and welcome to Future Thinking from Stylus. I'm your New York-based host, Amelia Miranda-Williams, an editor here at Stylus's U.S. office. Today, we're going to be talking about why people are scaling back on alcohol and what brands need to know to build relationships with teetotal consumers. What's behind the rise of alcohol-free drinks, and what new opportunities does this present for brands? To discuss this, I'm joined by John Wiseman, founder of New York-based zero-alcohol cocktail brand Curious Elixirs. Their herbaceous superfood spike tipples might just make you forget your evening drink. And I'm also joined by Emily Seeger, Stylus's U.S. Trends Analyst and resident cocktail enthusiast. Welcome to you both. So, John, can you start by telling us a bit about Curious Elixirs and your background? Why did you decide to build a brand around alcohol-free cocktails back when mocktails weren't quite the phenomenon they've become now? Sure. Well, the short answer for why I started Curious is by drinking too much. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's really how it started. I've been a bar owner with my brother and some partners in uh, a Brooklyn whiskey bar for over 10 years now. And also working in, you know, New York City media, New York City is like a a very wet town. Um, And, you know, everything is done over drinks. And about six years ago, you know, I had one of those nights where I was really chasing the dragon, like really seeing how much I could drink. And I had 20 drinks in a night, which is a stupid amount of alcohol. And (laughs) the next day, strangely enough, I was fine. And that scared the crap out of me. So because I, so I was like, this is not healthy. I should be really hungover right now. Clearly, my body is not uh, can take a lot of alcohol, and that's not going to lead to good things down the line. I need to cut this way, way back. So I did, and you know, after cutting alcohol down by like ninety percent, you know, I, I still, you know, was drinking alcohol some. But I found that when I was hanging out or going out dancing or going out to dinner or anything social, you know, some of the things I love to do there wasn't anything good to drink. There just really wasn't anything inventive or adult or special or sophisticated. And, you know, so I just started tinkering in my kitchen and that's how Curious Elixirs was born. Um, born in my kitchen, you know, upstate in the Hudson Valley. Great. And so, Emily, can you give us a bit of a rundown on who these new alcohol-free consumers are? Who is giving up booze and what brands are coming in to provide them with alternatives? So we think of sober curiosity as this wellness approach, somewhat of like a hacking of um, your next day feeling. So things that can make you feel calmer, um, more focused, less anxious, less hungover. It's kind of this idea of optimizing yourself. And that's really connected to the millennial mindset as well as the cautious yet convention-defying Gen Z. Now, there are a lot of um, alcohol alternative categories here. We see sober iterations of spirits, beer, and wine. And then we also see these seltzers, sodas, and ready-to-drink mocktails, which are usually positioned by their unique flavor or functional ingredients like CBD or adaptogens. Or both, in our case. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So, John, can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, as much as you can, what actually goes into Curious Elixirs? Are you making a cocktail here? Tell us a little bit about what people are going to get when they drink Curious Elixirs. Sure. Well, we, you know, when I first started Curious Elixirs, you know, I, I wanted to create something that was adult and layered and had really a beginning, a middle and an end to every drink that we make. And, you know, 
as we did that, and you know, that took you know over a year to make our first one, which is Curious Elixir Number One, which is you know inspired by the Negroni and also to a smaller extent the Old Fashioned. Um, but primarily, it's kind of like our alternative to like a bitter aperitif, you know, and that that's something that you know I, I feel like we've gotten closer and closer to making the ideal non-alcoholic cocktail. But one thing that I found is, you know, we started making these drinks um, and we only use real food in this. No, no artificial ingredients whatsoever. But as I started learning about like the benefits of organic pomegranate juice, which is like the number one, you know, ingredient in Curious Number One, I was like, whoa, this has a tremendous amount of, you know, value for the body as well. What, what else can have a lot of value for the body? Um, and I came across this whole class of, you know, powerful plants, herbs, and these things called adaptogens, you know, and that really goes into more of the function category that Emily was referring to, mm -hmm. but they also have interesting flavors. And if you balance them the right way with other botanicals, you can have these magnificent creations that taste every bit as adult and sophisticated as any cocktail you get in a bar, but can also help bolster the body. You know, the science on adaptogens in the West is not super deep. Um, but in China and in Russia, there's been a lot of studies of many of these adaptogens, not all of them, and not all plants. We still have a long way to go. But there are incredible, incredible plants out there. Most Americans are just coming across like CBD and, thing, and hemp and things like that. But that's just, you know, the first of many of these different plants, which we've known for a long time, have tremendous, you know, benefits to the body. But the quantification of that, you know, by Western science, still a long way to go. Um, but that's why I named this Curious. You know, I was curious what these plants um, can do for individuals, you know, and they, they react in different ways for different people. That's part of the definition of an adaptogen. So it's, it's complicated stuff. But the, the simple thing is, is that, you know, we want people to try them out. And much like taking any supplement or anything else, you have to see how it works for your body. Um, the same way as alcohol, we should be considering the dosage, you know, and that's why we're seeing the rise of sober curiosity and people drinking less or not drinking at all, you know, to like the point you're talking about is kind of like optimizing your life, you know, but it comes down to like, how do you feel when you drink or eat something? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, John, you mentioned this idea of wellness versus not drinking. Do you think your consumers are coming to you more because they're looking for the benefits of these adaptogens and superfoods or just because they really are sick of drinking? The Because they're sick of drinking. Okay. You know, um, you know, that's really the primary reason why people are coming, you know, to Curious. Um, the adaptogens and the herbs that we use and the function of things, you know, all food has a function, you know literally everything you put in your body. It can be good or bad or somewhere in between. But that people are mainly coming to us because of a lifestyle change and the fact that, frankly, these people have been hiding in plain sight and just forgotten about by the restaurant and bar industry. And that's why we set out to, like, fill a need because there's 75 million Americans, adult Americans, that don't drink alcohol at all. That's a tremendous amount of people. That's nearly one in four. And that's a number from 2015 before even the rise of, like, this kind of mindful drinking movement, you know, there's another 90 million Americans who drink two or fewer alcoholic drinks per week. And that's, that's the category that I'm personally in and many of our customers are in as well. So it's not just the purely sober, it's the people who are drinking less. This is a staggering amount of people who haven't had great options, you know, other than like sodas with a ton of refined sugar, you know, 
that just isn't going to do it for people anymore. And they shouldn't because, you know, we know that too much refined sugar is like really bad for you. You know, we're starting to learn more and more about that. That's why we never, you know, at Curious, we don't use any added refined sugars, just the sugars from the fruit juices. And I think that the wellness trend, you know, about people caring what they put in their body is just going to continue. So at Stylus, we've discussed how Gen Z consumers of legal age, which is 21 and 25 here in the U.S., are drinking less as previous generations, as you just mentioned, John. But at the same time, I think it's interesting to note that other generation, the silent one that you mentioned, who are millennials and Gen X consumers who are giving up alcohol for other reasons and have a longer history of drinking it. So I'm curious, John, if you've noticed any shift in who's buying Curious Elixir since you first launched, or if you even designed the beverage to appeal more to one group over another. Yes. Well, I tried to make this as agnostic a brand to gender and age as possible, frankly. Um, I wanted it to be both modern and classic, something that, you know, has a nod to the distant past, but also you can't quite place where it's from. And if you look at our bottles and our design, you'll see that, like, is this from the past or is this from today? Like, you know, it's not super old timey, but it's also not super modern. You know, you're trying to kind of be like, where, when is this from? Where is this from? Um, so, you know, I've, we've seen since the beginning, you know, that there's always been the sober contingent. Um, but there has been a change. There has been a shift in the number of different customer cohorts that we have. You know, the different groups of people started out being very much like 25 to 35 um, slightly more female than male, but we knew that this, this is true of pretty much any new category that we see, you know, in wellness or food or, you know, healthy living. Um, and that it's usually the young women who are the early adopters, um, because, you know, they're just more clued into this and, you know, that's great, but it's shifted over time into now we've got, you know, lots more older people coming in and becoming curious elixirs fans, you know, you know, 40 to 60 plus. Um, and now we're even like, I just heard this morning, you know, from our team that actually we've really started picking up with guys like over 30, you know, 30 to 40. So, and that was not something that we had at the beginning, you know, back in 2016, there were not a lot of those. Um, there were a few, but the demographics are definitely gaining in terms of the number of, you know, customer groups that are active for us. And part of that is just like word getting out you know, but also it seems to be our message is resonating with a larger swath of, you know, America, not to mention the other countries that we're looking at. And Emily, are you, we seeing this with other brands as well? What strategies are people using to appeal to different age groups or different genders over the other? Well, I love the idea of not disturbing the drinking tapestry or the drinking space. So there's this kind of experience-hungry cohort that we're thinking of. Um, especially in New York, we have a permanent sober bar called Getaway, which is in Greenpoint. Um, they have that ambiance. They have that look. But everything is absolutely alcohol-free. And there's tons of hard-to-find products there, like Lagunitas Hop Refresher Seltzer, which is absolutely sold out in every bodega that I try and get it from. Um, and then also some wines, which are kind of an interesting untapped category here from um, Bonafide. I also love um, the bar space existing conditions because they also serve alcohol. And their products sit 
their mocktails sit right alongside their cocktails in price as well because they're using yeah, I love these. That place. Yeah, they're using these like really interesting clarification processes and nitro muddling with CO two and things like that. So you just feel like it's an equivalent elevated experience. And so, John, you must have had a lot of experience drinking these alcohol-free libations in your research for Curious. So I'm wondering what you, from your experience, goes into making a quality mocktail or alcohol-free spirit. Well, one, you've got to, you know, start with the source ingredients. You know, we get, you know, our, you know, we make everything as organic as possible um, and naturally, like, only from fruits, herbs, botanicals, that's it. Um, a lot of places will do shortcuts, you know, in terms of like using refined sugar in order to be like a carrier ingredient, make a simple syrup and stuff like that. Um, I don't recommend that if you want to make something that isn't just full of sugar. So that's one thing I think that like everybody at home can, can figure out making their own infusions if they don't want to like go and buy curious elixirs or get one of these non-alcoholic spirit spirits. I encourage people to experiment, um, in particular with the juices that they love, start with that. And one fun ingredient to start messing around with is actually gentian root, you know, cause that gives you a good bitter kind of base. Um, also using citrus peels. Um, these are not hard things to whip up at home actually. Um, where it really takes a lot of craft is when you start layering in, you know, ingredients from like 14 countries like we do. Um, and some of them are very rare and, you know, boutique, um, like green Mandarin is one of my favorite flavors in the world. That, that the average person isn't going to have access to that. Um, but there's so many things you can. So it's like, just start with the juices you love, mess with some bittering agents, add some citrus peel. If you want to add some bubbles, it's super easy. You know, you can make all sorts of interesting things just doing a simple tea infusion with rosemary or thyme or anything you've got laying around your kitchen. It's really not that complicated to get started. And it's fun, you know. And, and if you're, you know, ultimately, if you're lazy like me, because I don't want to be doing that every day, you know, you can buy Curious or there's lots of other like non-alcoholic spirits companies coming out. There's some really interesting ones coming out of Italy um, in the non-alcoholic spirit space. I'm trying to remember what they're called. It starts with a G. Ah, it's killing me. I can't remember the name. But um, there's some really interesting stuff um, going on, you know, in the world right now. And our mission at Curious is to transform how we drink socially, you know, and so many other brands are like getting hip to that now. And we like applaud them for like doing it. And we especially applaud the restaurants um, who still make going out fun, you know, by providing better and better alcohol-free, you know, options. And they're starting to be more and more, but we've got a long way to go. So speaking of that, I am, we are curious, where are people drinking these alcohol-free spirits? Obviously, they can whip them up at home, but I think gentian root is probably something that most people aren't aware of the fact they can buy. Is this primarily something at home that people are buying things like Curious Elixirs and drinking in the evening, or are they also seeking yes. this out at bars? Yeah, I mean, we're doing a tr- we can't even make it fast enough, um, honestly, like, we, we'd sell direct to consumer and direct to restaurants and bars across the country. And we've got a waiting list for, you know, new restaurants right now. So it's just because we want to make sure that we supply the ones that, uh, that we already have and the customers we already have. Um, so there's a tremendous amount of opportunity in the space, you know, to be sure. But I think a lot of restaurants and bars are kind of late to the game and they need to kind of quickly get up to speed because, they're just kind of leaving some of their customers behind. And it's also a business opportunity, you know. Um, but 
more and more places are getting hip to it. I mean, there's, you know, a new sober bar that opened in Seattle last week. There's another one come like com- permanent ones coming in Austin, um, Los Angeles. There will be three by the end of the year. You know, there's like, it's starting to happen, but I really applaud places like existing conditions where it's, it's not about just no alcohol or all alcohol all the time. They make it a really great and interesting space for both to exist. And I think that's the, that's, that's what we need. Ultimately, it's not about just sequestering yourself in an alcohol free environment, which is also cool, by the way, like that option should exist, but we also need just better options for everyone else who has to do everyday life, you know, networking events, festivals, theaters, comedy clubs, restaurants, bars, these all need to have better non-alcoholic options for the staggering number of the millions and millions of Americans, you know, who don't drink or are drinking less. So you've both now mentioned existing conditions, and I know Emily has visited lots of alcohol-free bars here in New York. So I'm curious, Emily, in your experience, what differentiates a good booze-free bar experience from a bad, lackluster one? Well, there's really that split second when you're going to decide if you're going to order what kind of beverage you're going to order. And if you're trying to drink less, you want to have a game plan. So for me, if there's really no options, I'll do like half grapefruit and seltzer or seltzer bitters. But if there are really good options available or if you have really an inclusive kind of mindset of the staff, you can really have a lot of fun there. So I would say the service is absolutely essential for a good um, sober bar experience. I don't personally like that conspiratorial wink when I order a seltzer bitters. Um, I kind of just want it to feel like there's tons of reasons that consumers aren't drinking today. And it shouldn't be questioned. It should just be served. So curious now, what has been the biggest hurdle for you, John, in getting people to try alcohol-free cocktails? Obviously, as Emily just mentioned, there is still can be a certain sort of stigma around it. Mm-hmm. The biggest challenge hasn't been that, honestly. It's, it's just been making it fast enough. <laughs> um, you know, I'm up here interviewing, you know, more team members up here in the Hudson Valley. And uh, that's really the primary thing. Um, you know, I think from if you're talking about socially, it, yeah, I mean, it's tough to convince people in the industry um, the hospitality industry, that there's a real both need and opportunity, but it is both. I mean, you look at, you know, one of Tom Colicchio's restaurants, he took on, uh, they took on, uh, called Temple Court, they took on Curious two weeks ago, and they sold out of their first order in three days. They thought it was going to last them a month. And I was like, okay, you can, you know, go ahead and place this first order. But they it just went so fast. They were, they were shocked that once they added a soft cocktail section to the menu, sales instantly went up by a significant amount per seat in the restaurant. That certainly seems like a great opportunity for brands to get involved with. Now, Emily, you've written about some brand activations that have already happened during month-long sober challenges like Dry January, and I believe you've even tried one of these challenges yourself. So I'm curious, in your opinion, how are these 30-day resets impacting sober culture? Well, I found my own personal dry January to be very enlightening and almost annoyingly so because I do enjoy drinking. Um, It feels like you're just more focused and calm if you're ready, if you're preparing for something bigger like a presentation or maybe a podcast. Um, (laughs) 
So it is um, a perfect opportunity for people to introduce products. I found myself reaching for something like I just wanted the taste of an IPA. You know what I mean? So I found Athletic Brewing, which has this amazing – they do have a small amount of alcohol in it. So it's like about 0.3%, I believe. Um, And it just provides you with that flavor and that feeling without the – alcohol issues the next day. And yeah, I did talk about some really fun activations in our dry January report, like Benefit Cosmetics hosted this hydrated January, launching one of their new beauty products, which was fun. Um, And Atopia, which is a distilled spirit, launched this laughter therapy. So on the, it was also on Blue Monday, which is a UK holiday, which is supposed to be the most depressing day of the year. So they hosted this live comedy show um, and just introduced people to their spirits. So these 30-day challenges obviously have become quite a thing. Um, But do you think that the people who are really trialing sobriety in these challenges are staying sober? Absolutely not. So according to Miller, um, who launched their driest January initiative with Miller 65, which is a low alcohol reboot of Miller 64, sorry, um, which is a low alcohol reboot of their older product, 30 percent of participants in dry January fail within seven days. However, it was recorded that people who even just participated in dry January were drinking less heavily eight months later. So maybe they're not staying sober every day, but they're absolutely reassessing their relationship with alcohol and exploring new alternatives for that. And so, John, what can we expect to see next from Curious Elixirs? Next from us, um, gosh, well, we're going to have Curious number five coming out. um, We've had our first four flavors coming out. Number one, which is Negroni-ish. Number two, which is like a spicy, dark, and stormy. Number three, um, we're doing something really interesting with starting next week. Um, And this is going to be a really fun kind of vote for our Curious customers. They get to vote on two different versions of the recipe for Curious number three. We have the existing recipe, and then we have my new updated formula. So Curious 3.0 and Curious 3.1. And the first thousand customers are going to decide the fate of which flavor becomes the new Curious 3. Um, So that's one thing we like to do is engage our community. So our cocktail club members, they get first shot at, you know, basically shaping how the flavors of Curious go. Um, So that's what's coming up most immediately. And then soon we'll be having um, Curious number five um, come out later this year. Um, but Curious Number 4 is uh, is also selling like hotcakes, um, which is uh, like our kind of version of an Aperol spritz, but infused with American ginseng, so it gives you a boost. Um, that one's really fun to taste. That's the one with green mandarin. And so, Emily, with all the hype around this sober curious movement, do alcohol brands have any hope of staying relevant long term, or are they going to have to all switch to low ABV drinks? Absolutely. You need to stand out by also blending in. And by that, I mean really providing something appealing, flavor, function, what have you, while keeping it casual enough not to disrupt the culture and energy of the drinking space. You need to create options that sit right alongside alcoholic options, like Brooklyn Brewery's recent launch of Special Effects or Lagunitas Hop Seltzer. People are simply drinking less, 
So 43% of people are drinking less than they were five years ago. That doesn't mean that they're not drinking. They're just reevaluating the way that they're thinking about drinking. So for alcohol brands, you can think of something maybe with a lower alcohol count, like Miller 64s, or reassess your packaging. So Pompette is a really interesting hard seltzer brand that's housed in a wine bottle. So you can pour exactly what you want out of it instead of being forced to drink a 12-ounce can. Well, I will raise a gentian root and green mandarin zero-proof cocktail to that. (laughs) I'd like to thank my guests, John Wiseman and Emily Seeger. And thank you for listening. I hope you'll join us next time for more future thinking from Stylus. You've been listening to Future Thinking from Stylus, the show where our analysts, alongside industry thought leaders, unpack the big trends you need to know about. Find out more about what the future holds for your business at stylus.com. And if you like what you heard today, make sure you subscribe to Future Thinking in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts to hear new episodes as soon as they're available. 